Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. The oil press here in Corazon is old, like from the first or second century. It's the same type of press that's been used for centuries, a two-part press. The first part is here where the freshly picked olives are placed for the first crushing, the round stone rolling around upon the olives. That oil that seeps from that first original crushing is the best stuff, the extra virgin olive oil. The crushed olives are then moved to the press in a basket with stones set on them. Additional oil pressings come as the olives are compressed. The best oil comes the first time, just after the natural crushing. This is the oil that was brought to the temple as a sacrifice, the best freely given. When you give to the Lord, to the cause of missions, freely from an open heart, it's always the best. We still give with other motivations, obligation and guilt, but today, ask God to give you the ability to give with a free heart. Well, it's the first Sunday in March. Are you excited to be in church? Okay. I don't know what to think about that. Let's try it one more time. It's the first Sunday in March. Are you excited to be in church? All right, a little more convinced now. Uh, it is the first Sunday in March, which means it's missions emphasis because we love missions and we love our missionaries. So please remember to give uh, to uh, your missions uh, pledges. We're going to be redoing those in just a few weeks, but uh, let's be faithful to the Lord with our missionary partners. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here, and if you're a guest with us, welcome to Hillside. We're so glad that you're here. We're going to have a great worship experience today. God's got great things in store. Uh, we'll take our offering at the end of service. You can give in our box in the foyer. We'll pray over the offering before we dismiss you, and uh, we just believe God will be a blessing to you today. We're also going to do communion at the end of service, Lord willing, and so if you didn't get your packet of communion, you can slip out during the worship session and grab one of those. Uh, we'll take communion together uh, towards the end of our worship experience. I've got just a couple of announcements, and then we're going to get into worship today. Uh, first, today is the Rippin' Firefighter Barbecue down at the fire station. You can still get tickets. They're $12 at the door, and kids under 10 eat free. It's going to be a great time to connect. I'm looking forward to connecting with some people there. So if you're there, make sure to connect with my wife and I. Saturday, March 11th, uh, at 10 a.m., we've got a women's get-together, and Rachel Yokers is our guest speaker. She is, of course, one of our Chi Alpha administrators, and uh, she is going to bring it. And so, ladies, encourage you to come out here. That's 10 a.m. here uh, this coming Saturday. You will be blessed. Rachel will bless you. I guarantee it. Um, and then a week from then, uh, on Sunday, March 19th, we'll have her boss with us for our missions convention, uh, Joshua Ernst, who is a fireball. He is going to bring uh, a special message from God at 9 a.m. update on Chi Alpha. Um, uh, he'll be doing our Medi dinner plan down service and faith promises. And then at 11.30, we've got a great spaghetti dinner plan downstairs. Uh, and it's a free will offering downstairs to give towards our missions team. Uh, and so we've got a full packed out day. I want to tell you this, come that day. You will be blessed. Come early, come to the 9 a.m., stay for the 10, and then we can eat together in fellowship. It's going to be a great day. 
for unity in our church, and for missions in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Now listen, God has some great things in store for you today. So would you do this? Would you stand to your feet if you feel like you're capable of doing that? Because we're about to invite the King of kings and the Lord of lords to come to our worship experience today. We didn't come here to check off a list and say, oh, I attended church this week. We came to meet with Jesus. And he came to meet with you. Wouldn't it be something that every single one of us walked out of here changed today? Boy, that would be something. Lord, we are here to meet with you. Lord, for this last week, maybe we have gone through the ringer. Probably every person in this room has made some wrong choices. We've stepped into a mess. We said something we didn't mean. Maybe we're heavy from the week that we've had. Or maybe this morning we're here and we're heavy about the things we're facing coming up this next week. But Lord, we don't have to deal with our past or with our future alone. Because your word says that you will go with us. Your word tells us that when we're in the middle of a mess, that, Lord, you move in powerful ways to bring freedom to our lives if we would humble ourselves and just confess that we're in a mess and that we need help. Lord, you promise us that you'll go with us and empower us for life and service and ministry. So, Lord, we don't have to worry about tomorrow because you'll go with us. You'll give us the words to say. You'll be with us in the middle of of the trials that lie ahead for us this next week. So if we don't have to worry about our past and we don't have to worry about our future, all we have is this moment. Church is a sign to God. Would you just lift your hands and open your hands up just to say, I'm surrendering everything I have. Lord, we just let go of the past. We let go of the future to embrace you in this moment. Jesus, would you come and meet with us here in worship? Would you move in your house today? Would you move through the worship songs we sing? May your presence just move throughout this place that you can do whatever it is you want to do. Lord, as we go into your word and have kids' church today, would you move through your word in powerful ways to inspire our heart, to encourage our heart, to to move us closer to you, to let go of things we need to let go of. God, today, we just want to be in the moment with you. We invite you into this place. Do what only you can do. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, hey, let's worship the king together, all right? Worship team, let's do it. I believe Anthony's got a scripture for us, and I'd like us to declare our intent in worship today together. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever.
is your love. Great is your love and justice, God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along Your grace, your grace is enough Your grace is enough Your grace is enough for me Your grace is enough for you. Amen. That's what he told the Apostle Paul. Somebody mentioned about Paul's thorns in the flesh. Three times he prayed, Lord, take this away from me. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen.
the bread. His body the bread. His blood the shout of praise and clap your hands the bible says psalm 47 1 clap your hands all ye people shout unto god with a voice of triumph lord we just thank you that you are here in this place lord as we transition to the preaching of your word we pray that your anointing would be on myself miss jackie the children's ministry team downstairs God, what you want to do, we just want to be obedient and getting it done. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. All right, kiddos, who's ready to go down to Kids Church with Miss Jackie? Because she is ready for you right there. Ramona is first in line. Make your way over there, guys. We want to make that happen. You guys are going to have a great time downstairs. I expect... 
to hear you worshiping downstairs, all right, during my message. I'm looking forward to that, because we'll make a joyful noise unto the Lord, amen? So uh, if you got a problem with kids making noise for Jesus, you might be in the wrong church. I'm just saying, because that's biblical. Um, I love it. That guy is blazing a trail, just like the church should. I love it. Uh, this morning, we're going to jump back into the, the book of Acts. That as disciples, it's an important thing to be able to understand the truth. So I'm going to have Robbie help me out this morning. Robbie's going to come and read our scripture this morning. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 17 through the end of the chapter. And then we're going we're gonna to break this down for you this morning. So go ahead, Robbie. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. They, so they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed, by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thedius appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in a revolt. He too was killed, and all the followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. 
you will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Thank you, Robbie. So this morning, we're going to talk about truth and consequences. You ever found yourself in a mess? Yeah, we all get there from time to time. <coughs> we know that the Bible says the truth will set us free, and so how we, how we interact with the truth, kind of like my bread, uh, we'll jump in. The resurrection of Jesus Christ spread rapidly, rapidly in Jerusalem as spirit-empowered witnesses shared the gospel with the lost. Signs and wonders accompanied the preaching of the word. Wow, I love that. Signs and wonders accompanied the preaching of the word. Lord, as it was, may it be so again. That when the word is preached, that signs and wonders happen. When we share Jesus with people, signs and wonders follow. Man, that's what I want to see more than anything. God showing up in people's lives. So signs and wonders were happening. And no one could deny that God was at work in a new way among his people. But not everybody was happy with the success of the church. The religious establishment had opposed the ministry of Jesus and crucified him. Took to the, <clears throat> took the same, they took the same hostile approach towards his apostles. I got a frog in my throat. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> we'll try this again. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you, said Jesus. They will put you out in the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you and, will, and they will think that he offers it as God's service. Wow, how messed up is that? People persecuting the church and thinking that they're doing God a service. Wow, these words are beginning to be fulfilled even today. It was the age-old conflict between living truth and dead tradition. New wine could not be poured into old wineskins, nor could new cloth be sewn into worn-out garments, Matthew chapter 9. The English martyr Hugh Latimer said, Whenever you see a persecution, there is a more than a probability that the truth is on the persecuted side. We see this account with God's Word, how people handled the truth of God's Word in four different ways in this passage, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. That's what I want to teach on, is our responses to the truth. So let's look at the first one, attacking the truth. Found in Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 28, we see the council attacking the truth. The high priest and his associates had three reasons for arresting the apostles, and it was all of the apostles. All, all 12 of them now are in here. They're in big trouble, or at least that's what they want them to think. They bring them to trial. Here's the three reasons that they brought them in. First, Peter and John had not obeyed the official orders to stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. They were guilty of defying the law of the nation. But remember, Peter and John made it really clear 
that, listen, we respect you, we honor you, we honor the laws, but we cannot stop sharing about Jesus. It's very important. We're, we're not saying that, hey, if you're a Christian, then just you just forget all the laws. No. God's very clear that we're to obey the laws of the land, but when it comes to sharing the gospel message, that has to be above that. Number two, the church was refuting the doctrine held by the Sadducees. They were giving evidence that Jesus Christ was alive, that he had been resurrected. But see, Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe people could be resurrected from the dead. So it's going against their doctrine. And three, the religious leaders were filled with envy at the great success of these untrained, unauthorized, unorganized men. It's amazing how much envy can be hidden under the disguise of defending the faith. Note that the apostles did not resist their arrest or organize public protests. Instead, they quietly went along with the temple guard and actually spent a few hours in public jail. But during the night, an angel set them free and told them to return to the witnessing in the temple. It's interesting that the Sadducees, in several instances, Acts chapter 8, Acts 7. These angels show up and are serving those who are serving the Lord. And I want to make it really clear. We don't go looking for angels. We don't pray to angels. When we're doing the work that God has called us to do, angels are working behind the scenes in incredible ways. They are servants to the Lord. Neither the guards nor the leaders knew uh, that the prisoners had been liberated. I wonder what their faces looked like when they discovered that their most important prisoners were gone. And just imagine the astonishment of the Sanhedrin, the council, when they heard the reports. These guys are gone, but the doors are still locked. Here they were, this council trying to stop miracles, but their actions only multiplied the miracles. Because I want to tell you, when God makes up his mind that he is going to do something, there is no person, no force on earth that can stop God from moving when he has decided what he wants to do. God rules and reigns. And when he says this is the way it's going to be, it will be the way it's going to be. God will use all these things that come against the kingdom of God in ways to further the kingdom of God. He'll turn things upside down and around. We see it throughout Scripture. And I want you to know it's true in your life. That maybe today you feel like your life is just being crushed. Like there's a weight on top of you. I am telling you, God is able to turn it around. The thing that is crushing you today may be the very thing that you stand victorious over tomorrow. And the way God does it will be absolutely amazing. And he'll get the glory for it. What a contrast between the apostles and the members of the council. The council was elected, ordained, and approved, and yet they had no ministry of power. The apostles were ordinary laymen, and yet God's power flowed through their lives and their works. Why? Because qualifications in God's kingdom comes down to this. If you give your heart over to the king and you love the king, you can be filled with power. If all we're doing is coming and playing a part in the church, if we're just playing church, 
It's about how our building looks, and it's about all these checklists that we can fill out. Guess what? There's no power there. But if we seek the heart of the Lord, we will find his spirit, and his spirit will empower the church. The only qualifications are to come and be obedient to the king, to love the king. The council was trying desperately to protect themselves and their dead traditions, while the apostles were risking everything, including their lives, to share the living word of God. The dynamic church was enjoying the new while the dead council was defending the old. And I've got to ask you this morning, are you enjoying the new things God is doing, or are you too busy trying to defend the old and the past and the traditions? Because, folks, God is in the business of doing new things, and we are in the middle of something new that he is doing. Let our focus be on the right thing. Number two, affirming the truth. The apostles affirmed the truth. The apostles did not change their convictions. They obeyed God and trusted him to take care of the consequences. They could not uh, serve two masters, and they had already decided on whose side they were on. They stood firmly for the Lord, and he honored their courage and faith. They did not change their message. Peter actually indicted the leaders of the nation for the death of Jesus and boldly affirmed once again that Jesus also exalted was evidence that Jesus had the Sadducees, the Sadducees certainly didn't rejoice in hearing the apostles speak about resurrection from the dead. But in his second sermon, Peter had called Jesus the prince of life in Acts chapter 3. And here he calls him the prince and savior. The word prince actually means a pioneer, one who leads one who is an originator. The Sanhedrin was not interested in pioneering anything new. All they wanted to do was protect their vested interest and keep things exactly the same way, where they were in control and where they had the power or perceived power. They weren't interested in pioneering anything. But as the pioneer of life, Jesus saves us and leads us into exciting experiences as we walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 4. There are always new trails to be blazed. Hebrews 2.10 calls him the pioneer or the captain of our salvation. For our salvation experience must never become static. The Christian life is not a parking lot. It's a launching pad for what God wants to do. We're not a parking lot. It's not about coming and placing your cars and just sitting there. It's a place where the church comes in. We seek God. We seek the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to be launched into new horizons, new adventures, new ways of doing ministry, new opportunities. And it should fill us with excitement. When we come to church on a Sunday, we shouldn't be going, well, this is my expectations. We're going to do this and this and this and this. Our expectation ought to be, God's going to do something new today, Amen. and he's going to do something new in me. What if we came to church with that kind of expectation? When we get out of our car, we can't wait to get in the building. We can't wait to connect with somebody here, to see familiar faces, to hear how people are doing, to spend time worshiping together. I know I was supposed to be teaching, but preaching's taken over. 
We need to be excited because God is excited about what he's doing. We get nervous. We get scared. Because while God knows what he's doing, a lot of the times we have no clue what he's doing. God says, I'm doing a new thing. We're just like, we're just trying to figure out what it is. But Jesus says, come follow me. It's interesting, when he worked with his disciples, he didn't often tell them about what would happen next. He'd be like, all right, pack up, boys. We're going to the next spot. But he left out some of the stuff between that was going to happen. Like, hey, you guys are going to get on the boat. There's going to be a crazy storm in the middle of the sea. You're going to think you're going to die. But don't worry, I'm going to come walking out on the water to you. He leaves those parts out. But he still says, come follow me, and it'll be an adventure. It'll be something new. It'll be something exciting. Our faith leads us into new experiences that test us and help us and helps us to grow spiritually. The title Savior was not new to the members of the council either. This word was often used. It was used for physicians who saved people's lives. It was used for philosophers who solved people's problems. It was used for statesmen who saved people from danger and war. It was even applied to the emperor. But only Jesus Christ is the true and living Savior who rescues us from sin, death, and judgment if we only would trust him to do so. Peter again called the nation to repentance and promised uh, the gift of the Spirit would be given to all who obey him. It was a bold witness that the apostles gave before the highest Jewish, Jewish religious council. The Spirit and God, of God enabled them, and they were not afraid. Seen in service, 12 men before this count that in God's hands. What they did is said, how can we be faithful in the moment? It's difficult. It's challenging. It's overwhelming. But how can we be faithful in the moment? How can you be faithful in this moment? You may not have the answers that you're seeking. It might seem like God is quiet on how he is going to turn your situation around. But how can you be faithful in the moment to him? Because I guarantee you, he will be faithful to you. Number three, avoiding the truth. Gamaliel was the Pharisee who probably did not want to see the Sadducees win any victories. Because see, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't get along. It's kind of like political system, Republican, Democrat. These guys did not get along at all. And they were the far extremes of their parties. Gamaliel was a scholar, highly esteemed by the people, rather liberal in his applications of the law, and apparently moderate in his approach to problems. Gamaliel's counsel was unwise and dangerous, but God used it to save the apostles from death. I love this because God can use anybody at any time. Anybody. God will use people who don't even have a relationship with him to still help the church accomplish what they need to do. I've seen it firsthand. My favorite story is about this missionary who is overseas. He's in a foreign country. Uh, he's in South Korea, actually, and he worked for a construction company. God laid on his heart to abandon the construction company and to go and buy a taxi and be a taxi evangelist. 
because he's part of the largest assemblies of God church, one of the largest assemblies of God church in the world. He, he told his pastor about this, said, I believe God's asking me to do this. Can I be the guy who picks up our speakers that come into the church? I'm going to ask them to, to, to record a message for me. So he had a five-minute, a 10-minute, and a 30-minute message. So he would just drive these guys around until they got all three sermons done, and then he'd, they'd show up at the church. But when he was in the process of doing this, he told his boss, he went in, because he was, he was well-liked in the company. He said he was, he was going to do this, and his boss said, you're, you're going to do this? Why? And he said, he just witnessed. He's like, I believe God's calling me to do this. He said, well, listen, I think what you're doing is foolish. I, I, I don't, and he goes, how are you going to pay for a taxi? And the guy goes, I don't know, God will provide. And he goes, well, I don't believe God can provide, but you know what? You've been a good employee for me for 20 years. I'll buy you the taxi. <laughs> Buddy, you just proved God is capable of using anybody at any time. The person you might view as an enemy in your life can be used by God to bless you. Don't rule it out. God can use anybody at any time. That the Sadducees would heed the words of the Pharisees show how distinguished this man Gamaliel was. In spite of the fact that Gamaliel tried to use cool logic rather than overheated emotions as his approach, it was still flawed. Why? To begin with, he automatically classified Jesus with two rebels, which means he had already rejected the evidence of the truth of who Jesus was. To him, this Jesus of Nazareth was just another zealous Jew trying to set the nation free from Roman oppression. But did Thaddeus and Judas ever do the things that Jesus did? Were they ever raised from the dead? With a clever twist of bad logic, Gamaliel convinced the council that there was really nothing to worry about. Troublemakers come and go, so be patient. Furthermore, Gamaliel assumed that history would repeat itself. Thaddeus and Judas rebelled. They were captured and their followers scattered. Give these Galileans enough time and they too will disband. And you will never hear about Jesus and of our Savior. Broken into history, weakness of his advice was his motive. He encouraged neutrality. Wait and see. But wait and see isn't actually neutral. It's a decision. Gamaliel was voting no, but he was preaching maybe someday. Jesus makes it clear it's impossible to be neutral about him and his message. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Matthew 12, 30. Members of the council knew the words that Elijah had spoken. How long will you waver between two opinions? Found in 1 Kings 18. If Gamaliel was really afraid of fighting against God, why did he not honestly investigate the evidence before him? Diligently search the scriptures, listen to the witnesses, and ask God for wisdom. This was the opportunity of a lifetime, and the opportunity slipped through his fingers. He avoided the truth. Final thought for today and final approach to the truth. The church announces the truth in Acts chapter 5 verses 40. Part of the council wanted to kill the apostles, but Gamaliel's speech tempered their violence. In a move of compromise, the council decided to have the apostles beaten 
So the men were given 30 strokes. Their skin would have been bruised, beaten, bloodied, and even torn in places. The apostles were commanded to stop speaking the name of Jesus Christ, lest something worse happen to you. When people, uh, when people refuse to deal with disagreements on the basis of principle and truth, they often resort to verbal and physical violence, and sometimes both. We see this happening in present day. The sad thing is that this violence often masquerades as a form of patriotism or religious zeal. When, under, when understanding fails, violence starts to take over, and people begin to destroy each other in the name of their nation or their God or their views and beliefs. And it's tragic that even, history, even the history of religion is punctuated with accounts of persecutions and holy wars. The church has been guilty of these things as well. William Temple said that Christians are called to the hardest of all tasks. This is so good. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is what he said. We're called to fight without hatred, to resist without bitterness, and in the end, if God grant it so, to triumph without vindictiveness. That's a hard task to do. Yet we are called and authorized by God to live that out. After all, how did the apostles respond to this illegal treatment from their nation and leaders? They rejoiced. They threw a party after being beaten. Jesus had told them to expect persecution and had instructed them to rejoice in it. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. The opposition of men meant the approval of God, and it was actually a privilege to suffer for his name, according to Philippians 1.29. It's a hard thing for us to wrap our mind around in our culture today. How can when we are afflicted, how can we, when we're going through the midst of hardships and trials and struggles and feeling like we're crushed, how is it possible for us to rejoice in that? Because these things are temporary, folks, and the king is still good. If we can learn to worship at our worst, it dynamically changes us. It changes our identity. To the Pharisee, building uh, of character through truth. It's not nine times builds our character, and it should build our faith. And we should cling to the truth found in the scriptures. Neither the threats nor the beatings stopped the early church from witnessing for Jesus. If anything, this persecution only made them, them trust God more and seek greater power in the ministry. True believers are not quitters. The apostles had a commission to fulfill, and they intended to continue as long as the Lord enabled them. D.L. Moody was a famous American evangelist and a phenomenal speaker. He was fearless in his witness for Christ and sought to speak about spiritual matters to at least one person each day. He would say, how does your soul prosper today? Do you love the Lord? Do you know who Jesus is? Some were offended by this blunt manner, but not a few were led to Christ then and there. 
the more we use, and I love this quote too from, from uh, D.L. Moody, the more we use the means and opportunities we have, the more will our ability and opportunities be increased. Church, you don't have to be like anybody else. Just be you. You have amazing opportunities. Take advantage of them. Take advantage of the opportunities he's already given you to be a witness for him, both in word and in deed, in action and in response. If what we say does not match how we live, we've got a problem. Be a witness in both. To proclaim the gospel and to be a witness, we must be balanced with instruction so that sinners know what to believe and the new covenant and for new converts to understand why we believe it. The message cannot produce fruit unless the person understands it and can make it intelligent and can make intelligent decisions based upon it. Believers cannot grow unless they are taught the word of God. And that's why we try so hard here at Hillside, to provide opportunities for you to understand the Word of God. To break it down to its simplest components so that you can apply it to your life. Because God's Word's power comes from its application. Like a can of paint, put it on the walls of your heart. Don't store it up in cans. Finally, it was Jesus Christ who was the center of their witness. That was the very name that the Sanhedrin came to condemn. The early church did not go around arguing religion or condemning the establishment. They simply told people about Jesus Christ and urged them to trust him. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord. Worship team, if you come and be ready. In the book, The Gospel Blimp, which is an actual book written by Joe Bailey, he wrote, Jesus Christ didn't commit the gospel to an advertising agency. He commissioned it to his disciples. That's a powerful quote. Jesus Christ didn't commit the gospel to an advertising agency. He committed it to the disciples. That commission still stands today. But in our life, is it the great commission or is it the great omission that we would be his witnesses, that we would carry the gospel wherever we go? Think about the early church. Here they are, bullets, and they're on the street rejoice. When they went back to the church at large, the very next Sunday service, they stepped in. It wasn't, hey, be cautious. Let's hold it back. It was worship and rejoicing. How can that be? How could these men do that? Because they still believe in the midst of the hardships they were facing, God still does amazing things. Jesus still slays giants. 
He still raises people from the dead. He breaks the bondage of sin still today. He still works in people's lives. He restores marriages. He moves through his church. The Holy Spirit is alive and well, and his gifts flow among his people. I don't know about you, but I still believe that. Church, would you stand to your feet this morning? We're about to sing a song, then we're going to pray together, and then we're going to take communion together. But I love this song, and it resonated in my heart this morning as I was spending time with the Lord. I don't know about you, what you've got going on this week, but I've got a couple giants that I've got to face. I believe Jesus still slays giants. And as I go into these things that I've got to face this week, I'm going into them believing that God is bigger than the giants I face. He's bigger than the mountains that are before me. He's bigger than the things that you are facing this next week. So can we do what the disciples did? Can we flip the script? You might feel like the weight of the world is on you, but can you, with that weight on you, lift your hands and praise and worship? and just connect your heart with his. Because maybe in this very moment, God may be working things behind the scenes to flip the script and to make you a conqueror over the thing that is crushing you this morning. Let's worship together.
somebody that you can just put your hand on their shoulder. Every person in this place you feel comfortable wants you to connect with somebody here. A lot of people think that prayer is about these fancy, fancy words that come out of our mouth. Prayer doesn't have to be fancy to be powerful. Prayer is a confession of our heart to God. And sometimes when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit prays through us. It wells up. Sometimes it's not even words. It's just kind of moaning that comes out of us sometimes because we don't know what to say, but we're just connecting our hearts with His. Church, I want you to know today that Jesus sees you right where you are. He sees the burden that you carry. He sees the pain. He sees the guilt that still eats away at you. He sees it all. And this morning, we're going to pray for each other as a church. And I believe that God is going to move in this place in your life today. So would you begin to pray for the person on your right and left as the Spirit enables you? And if you don't know, just Jesus help them. Jesus, I still believe in miracles. I still believe in signs and wonders and that you can do all these things. Your word says that as, as your disciples preached the message, as they shared Jesus, wonders followed. May it be so again. May healings pour out of this place and in this place today. Lord, both in the physical, the mental, and the spiritual, that healings would begin to happen. God, I pray for those this week that are facing giants. May they fall, God, not before us, but may they fall before the King of Kings, their job that they're come, that you go with them. Lord, we've shared testimonies. Just a few weeks ago, a young lady dealing with cancer, when they went in, they couldn't find it. You still do miracles. Lord, I pray specifically this morning for the people that are here or watching online over minds that need to be healed. The enemy likes to come in and just tear us apart there. And there is somebody here this morning, you, you feel like your mind has been through a shredder. It's, it's not working the way that it should. I pray in the name of Jesus, you would restore minds to health and wholeness in this place. I pray for those dealing with anxiety that there would be a peace that overcomes them.
for the person struggling to find your identity in what you do. Just know that your identity isn't in what you do, it's in who you are. And that you are loved by the King. We love you, Jesus. And what you have started, see it to completion in our church. Where you go, we want to follow. Where you lead us next, we want to go. Before we leave here today, let's do what the, the disciples did. The last thing that we talked about was the fact that the disciples pointed back to Jesus. Would you grab your communion this morning? Worship team, I, I placed communion there with you. Before you open it, give it just a little bit of a shake. These have been on the counter for a while. <laughs> We're going to just take that top piece and peel it back. We're going to take that wafer, which is a symbol. It just symbolizes, okay? This is not actual flesh uh, of Jesus. This is, I'm not sure what this wafer is made out of, to be honest. Um, but it's made out of something, and it symbolizes the bread, which is his body, which was broken for us. Remember those disciples? Beaten like their Savior. And while that was going on and those 40-something flogs came, I got to wonder if maybe they thought I can endure because Jesus endured. And you know what? Because Jesus endured, you can endure as well. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you showed us your endurance. You showed us so many things in your life, your passion, your love. And it's your love that enabled you to go through the process that you did on the way to the cross. You enabled your body to be broken. Lord, your word says, by your stripes we are healed. Lord, we thank you. You are an enduring Savior. That you endured on the way to the cross, you endured on the cross. And you did so because you loved us. Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, for a body that you said, I will endure so that my church will understand endurance. And under pressures, we will stand firm and trust you as our Savior. We thank you this morning. Let's take bread together. Doing better than I am. The cup is a symbol of his, his blood poured out. Up to this point, up until the point where Jesus died and rose again, sacrifices had to be made for our sin because our sin separates us from relationship with God. But every sacrifice wasn't enough. Only the purest sacrifice would be enough to cover our sin and break sin forever. And the only blood that that could be was the blood of Jesus Christ. As he was on the cross and his blood poured down from those nails and the spear, there was something spiritually 
that happened. As that blood dripped on the ground, it covered our sin completely. And in that moment, everything that we have ever done wrong, everything that we will ever do wrong, is washed away. Because of what He did for us. And He didn't just die. He died and then through the power of the Spirit, rose three days later and forever broke the bondage of death in our life. And when we trust Jesus, we have eternal life. That this is all temporary and what comes next is the sweetest thing yet. So as we endure, we are washed clean when we trust in Jesus and we await the day where we are called home to be with our King forever. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross and the blood that was shed. Lord, you are awesome. And that word pales to describe how amazing you are. You set us free. And we thank you that you have set us free from our sins and our wrongdoing and our mess-ups. And Lord, we thank you that there is something that awaits each and every one of us. We endure until you call us home. And when we get home, we will be free. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross, for your sacrifice that washes us clean. Let's drink of the cup together, church. You get an opportunity this week to be witnesses, church. As we walk out of this place, the minute we walk out the doors, that's the mission field. That's the mission field that our Savior loves. Your boss at work that's a real jerk, Jesus loves him. That person that's your neighbor that you can't stand, Jesus loves them. That professor that gets under your skin the way they teach, Jesus loves them. And we got an opportunity to be witnesses. Today, some of us will go down to the fire department, have the barbecue. We've got opportunity to be witnesses in what we do, what we say, how we respond, how we act. God is good and he is faithful. Let's be a witness for him. Let's pray over the offering and we're going to play you out as you leave today. Lord, we just thank you again for the opportunity to come into your house together. We're not a parking lot. The church is a launching pad into new horizons. God, have your way. Take us there step one step at a time. Lord, as we leave this place today, we've got an art what comes in, and Lord, may we to give. Would you meet their needs in incredible ways? Open up the doors that need to be opened up in their lives. Provide in incredible ways. Do what only you can do. Lord, we thank you today that you are our cornerstone. And we give out of a joyful, grateful heart. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. We're just going to close with a worship song. You're dismissed.
Say 